I'd like you to open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Praise God. Isaiah 7. And we're going to read, starting at verse 1, read down through to verse 9. And I want to preach a message entitled, What Message Are You Getting? What message are you getting? We're going to see in this particular passage, there are three very powerful messages that we need to see, we need to understand, and the question is, which are we going to believe? Two of them we need to believe. I'll tell you that right off the bat. So there's nothing, there's nothing veiled, there's nothing hidden. And one of them we need to reject. The Bible says this, starting in verse 1, it says, When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, or Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, that is Judah, was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, that is Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shir Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. The head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. We have a tendency, I don't know about you, we have a tendency to believe bad news more than we believe good news. Right? The good news, we want, no, no getting around it, we want good news. Anybody, you know, anybody ever approach you and say, I'm sure you've had this happen, you know, they're, they're reporting news to you of some kind, one thing or another, maybe about your life or about their life, and they say, do you want the bad news or the good news first? 
And most of us will say we want the bad news first. We want the good news last because we want to end on an up note. The problem is we have a tendency to believe bad news over good news. Sometimes bad news is more juicy. There's a little element of gossip to it. Uh, The good news is, you know, it's all right, but sometimes it's hard to believe. You ever hear the expression, too good to be true, right? That's how oftentimes we approach. And I'm not talking about if you're a pessimist and, you know, things are always sort of bad for you. And if you're an optimist, things are always good. You believe the good news. It, It all comes down to it, folks. There are times we believe the bad news over the good, even though the good is absolutely true. Here we have bad news and we have good news. They got the bad news first, and the good news came last. Now, here's something so important for us to get out of this passage, and it is three powerful messages. There is no doubt in my mind that these are three of the most powerful messages that you will ever find in the Bible. When you begin to read the Scriptures, you begin to read what it is that God has to say and what the enemy has to say, there is no doubt in my mind that these bring about and have an effect on our lives almost on a daily basis. The problem is, is we tend to believe the first message over the last two. And the last two have to do with the good news. The first one has to do with the bad news. What is the first one? It is the message of fear. The message of fear. Going back to verse 2, the Bible says this, and this was part of the message of fear. Aram, or Syria, allied itself with Ephraim, which was also called Israel. They came together as a group, and they said, let's go get Judah. Now, they were a little upset with Judah, what they were trying to press Judah to do was to make a, uh, a political uh, uh, treaty with Assyria. What they didn't realize was the southern kingdom of Judah had already done so secretly. And they came against them and they were, they were going to fight and to try to overpower Judah. The Bible says that in verse 1. That was their effort. That was their, their plan of attack. And yet somehow they weren't able to do it. But they nonetheless had allied itself against Ephraim's smaller brother, Judah. And they were coming after them to overpower them. Now, for them, that brought fear. For you and me sitting here a couple thousand plus years later, for us, that might not mean so much. But you need to know there is a great parallel between the enemies of Israel, the enemies of of the southern kingdom of Judah, and that of your enemy, the enemy of your soul, the devil. Because the Bible says that he is going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Folks, the enemy wants to overpower you today. I realize today we don't have to fear the enemy. We don't have to be afraid. But we should not be ignorant of what the enemy is going to try to do to try to bring about chaos And hopefully, in his case, he wants to bring about discouragement so we give up the fight in this Christian life. He wants to overpower. 
And what he'll do is he will bring surrounding circumstances, things that come against us that make us think that somehow he's going to win. And that was the message that they wanted to send to the king of Judah. Now, they made an attempt to try to overpower it. They weren't successful, but still what they were successful in doing is causing the people of Judah to fear. And brothers and sisters, if we can just sort of call up the and echo uh, what FDR said when he came into his presidency in 19... Goodness, he was president almost forever. In 1930-something, he came into power, I believe it was, President Franklin Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And that is absolutely true. Fear can have the deadliest effects upon your life. This is the kind of message the enemy wants you to believe. He wants to make you be afraid of what he might be able to do, what he says he's going to be able to do. He wants you to fear. Fear is one of his biggest Biggest weapons against you. And if we are not careful, we will fall prey just like the people of Judah were doing. There was a, an ally. These two nations had allied with each other to go against Judah to try to overpower it. And that's exactly what the enemy is going to try to do in your life. You need to know that. He is going to seek to overpower you in every possible way. Listen to what happened. Verse 2 says, the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken. The message of fear was having a definite effect. It was absolutely having an effect on the people. They saw the alliance as something they should be worried about. And the enemy does his best to make you think you have reason to worry. He will use whatever situation, whatever problem, and in some cases, whatever people necessary to make you feel like he is going to beat you. And you need to be aware of what it is that he's going to use. If you're beginning to fear in your heart and in your life, Throughout, listen, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why is it that somehow we associate fear as being a part of our Christian life? It isn't. It's not of God. It's not from the Lord. It's not something we should carry. We should be carrying a message of freedom and a message of faith, knowing that God is in control of everything that we deal with. He is, he is there right in the middle of it to help us and to strengthen us. But the people, they were fearful. They were looking down the very narrow lens of human experience and human understanding. And this is where we run into trouble. We begin to, we begin to just look through what we can see. The enemy says, go ahead, look, look, at, look at your problem. He'll magnify the problem. That's why the psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You see, it's a matter of what you're going to magnify. Are you going to magnify your situation? Is what you're dealing with and what you're going through going to be the thing that you always are looking at and always focusing on? Or are we going to turn our hearts upward and begin to focus on what God can do and his great power and how he is able to come in the midst of our situation and help us? The Bible lets us know that the hearts of both the king and the people were shaken. They were afraid. 
They were fearing for their lives. Now, listen to what the Bible says in verse 5 of what the allies did. Now, here's, here, here is a tactic of the enemy. The allies have plotted your ruin. Plotted your ruin. Isaiah revealed part of the message of fear to the king. Someone might say to Isaiah, listen, don't, don't say those things. That's going to discourage the king. You know, only tell us nice things. We only want to hear good stuff. You know, when I come to church, I want to be made to feel better. You know, I want to walk out feeling a little lighter. Well, I hope you do today. But you also need to be aware of what the enemy is trying to do to your life. Look, we look at some of the problems and the circumstances we go through as just sort of random you know, happenings in our lives. I don't think that there are random happenings. I think that there is an enemy who is plotting against you. And yes, he will use the mundane things of your life to bring you down and to get you into a hopeless situation and make you feel like you just don't matter and you just need to give up and God doesn't know where you're at and, you, you know, nobody really cares about me and boo-hoo-hoo, poor me. But I'm here to let you know that, that it's an enemy that is coming against you. That it's not just things that are random things that are coming your way and you just, you know, you feel so overwhelmed. My wife, I showed my wife a story in the USA Today. I believe it was last night or the day before, I can't remember. A man who had a, an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old, I believe, two children, in his mid-50s living in Gulfport, Alabama. Uh, and, and part of his, you know, part of his whole, his whole livelihood has been destroyed as a result of the oil spill. And he had contracted to go out and, you know, learn how in using his boat, learning how to help clean up the oil. But it seemed like it was such an extensive process to... For him to get paid and just so much bureaucracy, so much paperwork. The man woke up one morning just this, I believe this past week or a little while ago. Woke up one morning. The article said he tenderly kissed his wife goodbye, went down to the docks, and he ended it all with a bullet to the head. Just because life became so overwhelming. Listen, brothers and sisters, the, the enemy is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is an enemy of your soul that wants you to feel like all of these things are just so overwhelming in your life that the economic situation is no better than, than when things begin to to take a dive a, a couple of years ago and things are just getting worse and they're getting more difficult and more difficult and maybe I should just go ahead and, you know, it's an amazing thing how many actually have the thought that this man had, but he actually went through with it. Overwhelming problems that come. Listen, the enemy has plotted your ruin. You need to know that. The enemy hates you. He doesn't like you. He wants to take you out. He wants to get rid of you. The whole purpose of the enemy, of, of, of what it is that the enemy was trying to do, speaks volumes about what the enemy is trying to do in your life. life. Listen to what it says in verse 6. It says, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves. That's what he's trying to do. 
He is trying to invade your life. He wants to tear it apart. And he wants to do his level best to then just split you apart to the point where you don't feel like you can ever pick up the pieces again. And he wants to set up reign and rule in your heart. Listen to what the rest of verse, this verse says. And the Bible says, make Tabe- the son of Tabeel king over it. That is their little puppet king that they had. They wanted to set him up and they wanted him to just be the ruler even though they were going to be pulling the strings. The enemy does his best. He wants to do his best to tear you apart and set up rule. And his message and the way that he's able to do it is he brings a message of fear. You believe it and you go along with it. Now, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the message of fear or are you going to believe a message of freedom? This is God's message. In essence, this is what God sees. Go to verses 4 through 9. The Bible says this. Now, here's the word of the Lord. This is coming through the prophet Isaiah. The Bible says this in verse 4. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs. I love how he says that. These two smoldering stubs of firewood because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Let me just stop reading right there. You see, God doesn't see all the hindrances that we see. God doesn't see something that is overwhelming. You know, God doesn't have to, you know, call a meeting in heaven and say, this one's really tough, guys. You know, come on, you know, Michael, Archangel, come on over. You know, let's, let's just, let's have a little discussion on what to do in this particular situation. I'm not really sure what to do. No, God doesn't do that. He's not worried about the hindrances. He's not worried about the problems that you see. His message is that of deliverance, and it should bring our hearts a wonderful sense of freedom. God says, don't be afraid. Now, the first part of this is, the Bible says in verse 4, be careful, keep calm, And don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. His basic message is, in his message of freedom, you don't have to despair. You don't have to be afraid. The threats may be real, but you don't have to fear them. Over the last few nights or so, obviously, we have had (coughs) some really, you know, intense thunderstorms. And, and we've had to deal with that and the lightning and the thunder. And, of course, you know, you have little ones. They wake up and... They get a little bit fearful, and, and, and on occasion, I'm having to, you know, kind of kneel beside Riley's bed and say, you don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then all of a sudden, a big clap of thunder happens, like, right over her window, and we both jump. <laughs> and I say, but you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> you know, those claps of thunder that sound like they're in your room, not above your room? You know, it just, you, you just kind of up to the ceiling and land back down on your bed. That kind. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's amazing how amazing thing. I was thinking about this. It's an amazing thing what we parents, you know, say to our children to, to calm their fears. 
And, and the thought all of a sudden, I don't know why it occurred to me. You know, I, I, I tell you, we tell them, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And, and then I think, you know, what if all of a sudden a meteor just sort of <laughs> dropped out of the sky and landed right in the room and I'm squished flat? <laughs> but you don't need to be afraid, child. You'll be fine. I don't know. You know, we think crazy things as parents. It, I guess it has to do with the kids somehow. You're, you're always trying to calm their fears. You say, don't be afraid. We say it to friends, neighbors, loved ones, family members when they're going through fearful situations. Don't be afraid. You say, well, it sounds like real empty kind of words in the midst of a battle, in the midst of a situation. And yet, you know what? So often we forget that's the word of the Lord. You say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through today. You don't understand the fear of my heart, my problems, my difficulties. I have reason to be afraid. But God says you don't. God says, don't despair. God says, do not be afraid of what the enemy is trying to do in your life. You don't have to fear. Why? Because I'm here. I said those words to the littlest one too. Don't be afraid. Daddy's right here. I'm right here. I try to assure her that somehow my presence there will help and she doesn't need to be afraid. When she hears a noise or something is going on, you don't have to be afraid. I'm here. What if there was a burglar in the house? I don't know. But I'm still here, you know? Oh, the things that we tell our kids. I'm right here. God is trying to tell his people, I'm right here. Look, there's a big difference between us earthly parents and God. When God says, don't be afraid, you don't have to be afraid of anything. You do not have to fear the empty threats of the enemy. You don't have to fear what it is that he is trying to do to upset your life, turn everything upside down. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. God says first, be careful. Interesting, isn't it? Be careful. You know why? Because oftentimes we make decisions out of emotion. And out of fear. And the Bible lets us know that we should not do that. I believe it was, I was reading just recently in a book by A.W. Tozer. Where he very wisely. I can't remember the title. It escapes me at the moment. But he, he just states in there so briefly. Very short chapters. Very easy to read. And yet Tozer is so deep when you read him. But, but he, he simply pointed out what a lot of people believe. And is, is so true. Don't make decisions out of emotion. He says, you need, to, you need to be calm. You need to calm your spirit and be careful. And in this sense, this is what God is trying to tell his people. Don't make a hasty decision because there's an enemy at your doorstep trying to take you out. Don't make a decision based upon how you feel on the inside. Make a decision based upon the word of God and what it is that I'm going to do for you. And so he says, be careful, keep calm. Following along that same thought that speaks to that inner emotion that somehow gets out of control. And so oftentimes, you know, we, God gave us emotions, folks. They're, they're not your enemy. It's just at times when they're out of control, we need to bring them back under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one to help us keep it under control. 
with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of those things, patience. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He works as a regulator of our emotions. But so often, the Word of God comes and says, keep calm. Keep calm. Why? Because if we act out of fear, we are going to make a mess of the situation. If you act out of fear in your life, you will make a mess out of your life. We have to trust in the Lord with everything that is within us. And his word goes on and it says, don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. You say, well, that's easier said than done. Well, maybe so. But who's on our side to help us? Who's living in you to strengthen you? Who is with you every moment of every day to give you the power to be able to not lose heart and not feel like you want to give up? It wasn't the prophet Isaiah who was saying this. It was God who was saying this was God's word to that king in that moment. Do not be afraid and do not lose heart. Don't allow your heart to melt with fear. I, I have experienced fear in many different ways and at different times in my life. But one in recent times that was more tangible than anything else was when I was sitting on my couch watching a documentary. You would not believe how fearful I was. And he said, watching a documentary, seriously, Pastor, you really need help. But it's absolutely true. I have a tremendous fear of heights. Now, I can go up in a, in a tall building. I can even look out over an observation deck. I've done that before. I can do that. But if you take away that fence and that barrier, I lose heart. My heart melts. And in fact, it was a documentary about the, uh, the, the, little, the little French guy. I can't remember his name. Who stretched a tightrope, a cable, across from one of the Twin Towers in New York to the other one. And then he proceeded to walk across from one tower to the other. This happened, I think, in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere along there, just shortly after, after they were finished being built. And I sat on my couch, and I literally physically could feel the fear in my own life as a result of seeing what this man did. He went up on, on several occasions and literally went out and sat on the edge of one of them, just sitting there. But then what was, what was worse is as he was walking, he wasn't just walking across, you know, with the big long pole that they have to help them balance. He started doing this, like jumping up and down. And I thought to myself, you are absolutely insane. You're out of your mind. I mean, I go up two or three floors. I'm okay as long as there's a barrier, but take away the barrier. And my heart melts within me. What does God say? Don't lose heart. In the midst of your fear, your heart may be melting. You may feel like, I'm paralyzed. I can't do anything. But the word of the Lord is, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm bigger than the problem that you're facing today. I am bigger than that situation. I, can, I will overpower that difficulty. I am bigger than that problem. We've got to trust that he is able. 
Why? Well, here's what he sees. You see, the, the King Ahaz saw these two kings as being powerful together. But here's what God saw. Verse 4, these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Now, a stub in the ground, a stub of a tree, I come from a land where, you know, they cut down trees for a living. It's part of, literally, part of your livelihood. And, and you go out in, in the forest and you'll see trees have been cut down. There's just a stump there, the stub of a tree. But if you were to come back to that same stub or that stump years later, you will find that from time to time out of that, that area where that tree had taken root, there is a new fresh shoot of a tree coming up. Just a little branch. But that is about to become a new tree in its place. Now, that has, still has life and it still has vitality. It's still able somehow to do something. But God saw these two kings that had come against him as not stumps that had possibility. But the Bible says they are smoldering stubs of firewood. In other words, they're on fire, they're being consumed, and they don't realize that they are about to be burned out. This is what God sees, folks. Not what you and I see. We see them when we say, ooh, fire. God says they're a smoldering stub. They're about to go out. You see, our problems, we seem to feel as though they're so intense. What did Nebuchadnezzar say to the, the people when, when he was so upset with the three Hebrew young men who stood their ground and said, we're not going to bow? He said, heat the furnace seven times hotter. Everyone around said, well, that's hot. And God saw an opportunity. You see, brothers and sisters, when the enemy throws things at us and we see the intensity of the heat of the problem, we need to begin to see as God sees. The message of freedom is they're a smoldering stub. It's going to go out. The fire's going to go out, and it's not going to harm you. It's not going to consume you. They're two smoldering stubs of firewood. They think they're hot, but they're not. They're about to go out. The word of the Lord, verse 7 is this, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. Say, so, well, but this is what the enemy says. This is what my problems seem to say. This is what the doctors say. This is what my landlord says. This is what my job says. This is what my unemployment officer says. This is what everybody else says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You need to see that and get a hold of that because what this whole issue was about was about two sovereigns, kings, who got together and said, we're going to wreak havoc here. And God says, oh, no, you're not because I am the sovereign Lord. Big capital S. I am in charge. I am in control. And I'm watching over my people. You need to know that God is still on the throne, brothers and sisters. He is still watching over your life. He has not forgotten where you live. He knows what you're going through. And he knows what you're dealing with. It is the word of the Lord. God reminds Ahaz who the real king was. And who had the final say. Their threats, he says, will not happen. What they're saying they're going to do isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
I'm amazed at how many times in our lives we imagine what will happen. And God is trying to show up and say, you know what, ain't going to happen. It's not. You don't have to be afraid. How many of you have ever become fearful as a result of something you thought was going to take place? Hello. Me too. We can all raise our hands. We imagine things that will happen if this doesn't happen, if that doesn't happen, or something bad's going to take place if this happens. I mean, we, we go crazy with stuff like this. And, and we, we've got it all in our hearts, and all of a sudden, the panic that overtakes us. And nothing has happened yet. God says, you know what? The enemy is breathing threats, and what they say is not going to come true. Their threats will not happen. It will not, verse 7, it will not take place. It will not happen. One of the most freeing things is to realize that most of what we fear won't happen to us. This is God's message of freedom. It's not going to happen. So why are you getting all worked up? Jesus, why are you, why are you worrying about tomorrow? You know, today's got enough trouble of its own. Deal with today. Forget about tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. The last part of his message of freedom is how he views these two kings. And it is this. Verse 8 says he is only resin. And verse 9 says it's only Remaliah's son or this guy Pekah. It's only these two. <laughs> we see them. Ooh, big problems. God says that? Seriously? Not a big problem. Not to me, it's not. And for many of us, we look at our difficulties and our situations, and, and they seem bigger than life. To God, it's only that. It's only this problem. For us, it's huge. You see, are you trying to reduce my problem? Are you trying to, you know, make, make light of my difficulty? Not at all. I'm just trying to get you to see it the way God sees it. Not the way you see it, because the way we see it, we will end up in ruin. We'll end up... Feeling as though somehow we, we just got to give up. God says, you don't have to give up because guess what? That's only this kind of situation to me. Listen, with us, it might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So that leads us to a message of faith. And this is when we see as God sees. We've already laid out how God sees the situation. But when we begin to get it into our spirit. And when we begin to see things the way he sees it, then it becomes a message of faith. All of a sudden, no longer is there fear, but faith can arise in our hearts. You say, but wait a minute, I only see a negative in the last part of verse 9. It's stated in a negative way, but we're going to flip it around today, and we're going to turn it to a positive, because what God says to Ahaz is this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand firm. At all. Wow. Huge words. Big words. But let's turn it around for a little bit, shall we? In other words, he is saying, stand firm in your faith. Verse 2 lets us know that the people of Judah were shaken. But they didn't have to be uprooted by their problem. They didn't have to allow that problem to become bigger than they were. But instead, they could stand firm in their 
faith. I remember a number of years ago, and we've seen it around here, especially with some of these strong thunderstorms. You drive by, I think we were driving through one of the forest preserves recently and saw how a tree was just toppled over, but it was uprooted completely. And the roots were exposed. And I remember a number of years ago going through hurricanes back in the East Coast and, and up in New England and, and being on the campus of the Bible College one day there, after a hurricane, we noticed there was a tree that had been completely and totally uprooted. So one of my buddies got the idea. He would go stand on top of it and pretend he had just pulled it up and ripped it up. That was, that was our friend Dave for you. He was always about stuff like that. But he was standing there as if he had pulled that tree up. But that tree had toppled and had been uprooted. The roots somehow were not strong enough to sustain the winds that blew against that tree, and that happens often. And brothers and sisters, when the adversities and the winds blow against our lives, the Bible lets us know that we need to stand firm. If we don't stand firm, then he says, you're not going to stand at all. You're going to topple over. This is why our roots have to go down deep in the Lord. We have to believe and have faith. Our faith is like the roots of a tree. It will support us in our hour of difficulty and in our hour of problems. When we're faced with something that we don't know what to do, if we will come to the Word of God and we'll go to prayer and we'll find what it is that the Bible has to say rather than what we think, then maybe, just maybe, in the hour of our difficulty, we will be able to stand firm when the enemy blows against us. And he wants to take us down. Stand firm in your faith. Don't give in when the enemy says, I'm going to beat you. Oh, no, you're not. Ryan, come up here, will you? Just come up, come up here. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to embarrass you, I hope. But come here. Just occurred to me. We used to play this game when I was a kid. Come, come over here. Yeah, stand right here. Face me. Face me. You don't have to face them. They're all smiling at you because they think I'm just going to. All right, put your hands up like this. We used to play this game. Now he doesn't know what's coming. See, he didn't stand firm. We were teenagers when we did this. See, he, he didn't know what was coming just now, right? So he couldn't stand firm. But you did. I'm not gonna hurt him anymore. All right. Thank you, Ryan. See, he knew what was coming in that moment. And I hit him, and he just was flexible enough to give. And his feet stayed in the same place. The first time, it didn't, because he didn't know what was happening. That's why the Bible says, and Paul says, we shouldn't be ignorant of Satan's devices and his schemes. We can't be ignorant of that. We've got to know what the enemy is going to do because when he comes at us and he says, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you down, we can say, oh, no, you're not. I've got my roots down deep, and I know what you're about, and I know how to be flexible, and I know how to let the things happen and come, and God is on my side, and he is in control, and I don't have to worry about what you bring against me. I am going to stand firm. If you stand firm, you'll be the last one standing in the battle. You will be the last one standing. If you stand firm, 
Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I want to be the last one standing. When the enemy comes and he does his best to bring about destruction and he does his best to tear us apart and he does his best to try to try to bring about chaos in our lives and make us feel overwhelmed, you got to be the last one standing. You can't let him get in there. The Bible says, and Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any kind of foothold. Don't give him any kind of place to get in your life because if you give him that, He's going to be able to break through and he's going to get what it is that he is looking for. He's not your friend, folks. But I'm here to let you know the message of faith is simply this. You can stand firm in the face of your battle because of who is on your side. You can stand your ground no matter what you're going through. You can stand firm because God will overpower the enemy if we will stay faithful to him and we will trust in him. Sad to say about Ahaz, he didn't believe it. Sad to say about this guy, he didn't actually believe the message. And that's the thing that we have to be careful of And we have to make sure that in the midst of what it is that we're dealing with, that God's message is the message that we believe. Listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Turn over there with me. Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. Who has believed our message? That is God's message. What are you believing today? Are you going to believe the message of fear that the enemy throws at you? Listen, you don't have to live in turmoil. You you don't have to live with this constant emotional struggle, this this, this mental thing that sort of happens in your head that, you know what, everything is just out of control and the enemy is just, you don't have to. Because God's message is a message of freedom and it is a message of faith when we get it into our spirit. We have to begin to believe what God has to say. A number of years ago, there was this, this song that the choir at Zion used to sing, Whose Report Will You Believe? And, and this guy, Ricky Burkett, could, he could sing it like nobody else. Ricky, he's since gone on to be with the Lord, but he, he could sing it. He could, he could just belt it out, and the choir would sing. They'd echo. It was, whose report are you, will you believe? And then the choir would sing, we will believe the report of the Lord. I mean, the place just would erupt when that song would be sung. But whose report are we going to believe? We're going to re- believe what the enemy has to say, or are we going to believe what God has to say? You see, there's freedom in what God has said. And God is looking out for you today. He hasn't ignored you. He, he knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're, you're going through today. And, but, you know, the, the thing that God doesn't want us to get into the habit of or the trap of is sort of how, somehow seeing him as, as coddling us and, and, you know, just sort of patting us on the back. Oh, poor baby, you know. No, he wants us to snap out of this. He wants us to come out of it because there's a life of victory. There's a life of faith that he wants us to live in. But so often we get into a mode and into a habit of just saying, Lord, you know, just pat me on the head and, you know, just assure me that that I'm going to make it through today so that tomorrow I can wake up and the whole nonsense can begin all over again. 
doesn't want to do that. That's not the point of this. He says, don't be afraid. Don't despair. Don't lose heart. Listen, brothers and sisters, he has a message of freedom for your life. Um, uh, and we've got to get it into our spirits. When we do, it will be a message of faith. I close with this verse. You need, don't need to turn there. But the Bible says this. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Speaking about Mary, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Not what anybody else says, not what everybody else says, but what the Lord says that that will be accomplished. That is what we need to believe. Can we stand to our feet today? Thank you, Jesus. Whose message are you getting? What message are you getting into your spirit? It could be that you are operating under the message of fear in your life. It could be today that somehow you're despairing of whatever is going on in your life. It's a typical human response because in the end we know we don't have all the answers. We don't have all knowledge. We don't have all wisdom. We don't have all of those things. But I'm here to let you know that the sovereign Lord is the same one who says, I'm omnipotent. I have all power. Not only that, I'm, not, I'm omniscient. I know everything. And I rule over it all. And I am omnipresent. I haven't bailed out in you because I'm, I'm right wherever you are. I'm there. I'm with you. Every hour of every day, you need to know that he is there with you. You're struggling today and you're finding that in the midst of your difficulties, you are having a hard time believing the message of freedom and getting that into your spirit so it becomes a message of faith. But today you say, I don't want the message of fear anymore. I want the message of faith. I want the message of freedom. Just put up your hand right now and begin to worship the Lord. Begin to call upon the name of the Lord together. Let's cry out to the Lord together in this place. And let's say, Lord, we're going to believe your report today. We're going to believe your message. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, that, that Lord, you speak to us at our point of need. You speak to us, oh God, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our difficulty, Lord. Dear God, in the name of Jesus today, I pray, oh God, that you would speak that message of freedom into our spirits in this moment. And that, Lord, we would have the message of faith rise up within us, oh God. It is when we begin to see as you see, not as somehow the enemy wants us to see, but as you see. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people that you would help us to overcome fear, help us to overcome the enemy, help us to begin to proclaim what your word says and live what your word says. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would pour in a blessing in this place, that you would make us men and women of faith, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, to help us, O oh God, to advance forward in you, to know, O oh God, that you, O oh Lord, are in charge. Lord, we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord and you reign over all. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we call upon you even now and we ask that you would calm every fear in our hearts, 
that you would help us not to be afraid, that you would help us, Lord, to look up to you and realize that you are a powerful God, that you are a great God, and that, Lord, you're our God. We thank you today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, I ask. Help us to be strong in you and in the power of your might. And, Lord, we will give you all the glory. We will give you all the honor for all that you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we love you. We magnify your name. Just worship the Lord with me. Just worship him. Just worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Lord, we magnify your name. We magnify you, Jesus. We exalt you above our problems, Lord. Lord, we enlarge you in our vision today, O oh God. We, we magnify your holy name, O oh God. You are able, Lord, to speak to our fear, O oh God. You're able to calm every fear that we have because, Lord God, you, Lord, see the end from the beginning and you know how it's all going to work out today, Lord. We're going to put our trust in you. We're going to believe in you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We trust in you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we magnify your name. We magnify you, Jesus. You are worthy of all the glory. You're worthy of all the praise. Lord, we honor your name today, oh God. You're the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Lord, we love you today. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We glorify you, oh God. We glorify your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for your people that, Lord, you would encourage them and that, Lord, you would help them to see as you see. Lord, help us all.